0: Welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. And I want to speak on the mystery of God today. But I know that when I speak on the mystery of God, I I need also to say to you that you are planted, and I I really want to say this prophetically to you you are planted in the midst of the capital of England, of the United Kingdom, of the Commonwealth. And guys, it is an amazing responsibility. The moment I come into London, I saw in the spirit. But guys, at the same time, I am aware of the pressures that come down as you come in under London. When you cross the M25 on the M3, and you're coming up from the coast, and you come into London, there's a pressure Because this is where so many of the most incredible decisions take place. And I want to say that strategically, this well has been planted by God. But you have to treasure this well, guys. You have to take care of it. And you have to make sure that it is constantly flowing. You see, the the rest of the world needs to come and dance in the river with us. But they don't know about the river. You know, so, so guys, I want to say, prophetically, dig deep, dig deep, and dig deep again. Because even though it's going to take us into places where we're not necessarily comfortable, it's going to mean release for this nation. Release for this capital. Amen. We have the word of God. And oh, what joy. So keep that deep well open. If it costs you I mean, Deshi was talking about sacrifice and giving. If it costs you to keep this well open, guys, do it. But stay. Amen. Be part of the digging team that you would see the impact on this city, London. Amen. So, what does God do? He leads me to another family, you know? And I've got so much testimony that I want to share with you. I don't know where to do it, you know, but, yeah, guys, I I shared it with one or two people. I went to five different churches, so from the end of December, visited five churches, that took me five weeks, okay, and I missed Pete, like I can't tell you, because we always used to do that together, and bounce the stuff off us, off each other, and here I was on my own, evaluating where I was going to go, and spend the rest of, you know, my days, this is my forever home that's coming, you see. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like a puppy dog. No, I don't mean that at all. But you know, it it had to be the right church. Never mind about where we were going to live. It was the church that mattered because the fellowship with God's uh, people was the most critical thing to me, you know. And um, I, I really enjoyed it. Every single one of the churches, young people, young couples, their babies, you know, young men of God, Um, and and the leaders were all young men and um, their wives. It was really precious, and I thought, God, this is going to be really difficult. I don't know how to evaluate beyond what I'm seeing and hearing spiritually, you know, in a visit. And there was one church I really liked, and, and, and we went back a second time to that one, my sister and I. But then I went to Catch the Fire Bournemouth, where I am. And whereas the other churches were, you know, their services would be an hour and a half, Um, sometimes they had two services, so that's why they had to contain within an hour and a half, because that's how big they're getting, you see, and huge student population, et cetera. And um, and I went to Catch the Fire Bournemouth, which was um, two hours, and I enjoyed it hugely. Guys, I went to Toronto at the end of 1995, and God really touched me, and I was healed. My heart was healed. So I, I, I really, I was very blessed by the church for two hours. I remember I tasted an hour and a half in the other churches. And I thought, okay, God, we, we really don't need two hours unless there's revival. you know." So um, I, I think I'll have to cross that one off the list. <laughs> and then God gave me a dream. And in the dream, he showed me um, one of the leaders in particular and um, and I, I I was carrying um, I was carrying uh, bags at a um, at an airport, and you see straight away. I mean, when I woke up, I just knew. Okay, God, two hours. Thank you, Lord. It's not three. <laughs> uh, well, it's is my cynical approach. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, God was just amazing because I knew straight away. I mean, I, I've had prophecies over me about the camels, you know, looking after the camels, making sure the camels were right and all the rest of it. I'm always support ministry, guys. So for the Lord to show me this leader and me carrying bags at an airport on their behalf, I knew straight away this was where God was planting me. See, somebody has just said it now. When you go into something, you go in to serve. And you've heard me say that many times. If you're sons of God, you go in to serve God. If you're daughters of God, you go in to serve the king. Amen. I mean, what do I want to do before my king? I want to serve him with love and worship, you know? So here on the earth, I want to do the same thing. And so... So serving in a ministry is a great blessing. And, and, and Rod and Julie, same thing. Father, we pray that you would bless them there where they are in Cyprus. Amen. Oh, Lord, give them rest and peace. But, but you know, when we were essentially right in the center of being a part of the, um, the team and the ministry, guys, we were here to serve, you know. And, and your leaders need to feel that incredible support um, that you can give them in that regard, okay? And so God is so good, you know? So that's how he planted me. You know, by the beginning of February, I knew where I was. And that was a relief. Quite frankly, that was a relief. And um, uh, God has subsequently given me a couple of dreams. And one of them was where I, um, and I felt it was Pete with me, you know, and the the two of us now i 'm not you know that i'm you know I, I don't know if the Lord was saying that was my bridegroom that was with me you know that so um, we went to this event of of the church and it was in a park, and we got there, and there were these tables and there were two queues of people and and I said to my companion, my bridegroom um we don't need a queue for food, but I know you like tomato sauce. Now, I haven't got the parallel for what the tomato sauce was in the dream yet. <laughs> but we just needed a bit of embellishment, you know. And so I said, let's just go to the top of the queue and ask if we can just have a bit of tomato sauce, because we don't need the food. And somebody took umbrage at that, because they thought I was jumping the queue. And so when they said, excuse me, you know how they do here, you know, get to the back of the queue is really what they're saying here. I turned and and I had and I looked down. It was the first time I'd looked down, and and in my hands I had two loaves, um, two. Oh, I when I say two loaves, two big, like um, baguette things. Yes, yes, with stuff in them. You know, and 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 but they were in a cellophane packet and they looked a little bit battered. You know. And just from being squashed in my bag or something, because I always put too much in my bag. And so, but I, I, I said, these were the words I said, I have bread. I have bread. And I felt that the Lord was saying, It's okay, I'm taking care of you. Because I have kept a very low profile, guys. I'm just involved in everything I can be involved in, I'm involved in the prayer meeting. I'm involved in the ministry team. Then they forgot to give me a ministry badge, so I had to to go back and ask for it. (laughs) From the man who runs the ministry. He said, did you do the training? And I said, yes, in your lounge. (laughs) So these things, they're just so good for us, you know? It's so good for us to just come in and be humble and just enjoy being in God's presence. There are young people there who love God with all of their hearts. So I'm only sharing that with you because I just want you to know that I'm established in a church. I love it. It's so good. We, we started with a 40-day fast um, just after I got there. It tied in with um, the 40-day 40 40 day fast that that amazing man... ah, I'm Sorry? Yes, Lou Engel was running. Yes, thank you. And um, so we... Um, we got involved in that. Um, our leaders just said, uh, whatever you want to do, do. Um, and so some people were fasting certain parts of food. Others were a lot more intentional. Um, I did a Daniel fast. I'd never done 40 days. I'd done 21 days without food at all a couple of times. And I'd done 10 days a couple of times. But So at 40 days, I couldn't do that because... And that was the other thing. I've got a job. I, um, so the retirement thing didn't really work for me. I, I just, you know, I was looking at folk who were walking along the beach promenade and they had those vacant looks in their eyes. And I just thought, no, God, I'm not sliding. I'm not sliding. Lord, I'm not sliding. And, you know, at that point in time, the money from the house was stuck. Um, there was a little bit of money that was coming from South Africa. That was stuck in the system. I just didn't have any money. And my sister Margie was saying, it's okay. Well, I had, I had my state pension. Because now I've got a state pension, guys. I've got, that's how old I'm getting, you know. And uh, <laughs> So I had my state pension, but it wasn't really going to go far enough. And I owed my sister some money. And God just used Romans 13 for me and just said, oh, no man, anything but love. So I had to speak to her. And she said, Anne, don't worry. We've both got the spreadsheet. It's okay. You know, we just add it up until the house gets sold. I said, that's not what God showed me, Marg. And so I started looking for a job. And and, uh, NHS jobs, um, I applied for four jobs. Um, Two, I just didn't even get an invite. Um, And I mean, they can see from what I'm saying where I've been working. You know, I know you've heard me say this before, but they thought they were dealing with Mrs. Methuselah, you know. I got two invites for interviews, and the first one was a long one-hour interview, and I thought, oh, Lord, it was a project support um, office thing, and it would have been lovely, but I I know that it would have taken up a lot of energy and time outside of work, and um, so I didn't get that because they said I didn't have NHS experience, but actually, I knew it was God protecting me, yeah and but the other job oh i really fancy that you know it was um i've got a fancy title huh it's called a a radiology data support officer <laughs> it basically means i'm in charge of transferring all the um the images from x-rays and scans etc between hospitals and but there's a statistical side that i'm really enjoying as well you see so it's keeping my brain sharp I don't have to worry about crosswords anymore. uh, My brain is sharp enough from the work, you know what I mean? And um, it it is a great blessing, and I get paid at the end of the month. But now this is how God showed me as well. About three days before the interview, now I knew I'd been unsuccessful in the other. And I thought, oh, God, is the same thing happening as in London. Because in London for two months, I tried to get a job. Nobody even returned my letters, my emails, nothing. God just closed that door completely. So about three days before I went to the interview, I was, reading, I was reading right through the New Testament at that point, and I was in the epistles, and I was reading 1 Thessalonians 5. Well, I was reading 1 Thessalonians. And I got to chapter 5, and then Paul says, If a man will not work, neither let him eat. I thought, Oh, God! <laughs> You know, God knows how to deal with us. He knows I have a sense of humor. He knows that I can, you know, take it kind of thing. And so I said, well, Lord, you've got to help me then, you know. And I went to the interview, and they said that they would let us know at the end of the day. I mean, he took my passport. Now he really knew how old I was, you know, um, and took a copy of it. (laughs) By the time it got to four o'clock, I had my speech rehearsed. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate that you considered me. Thank you for the interview time. You know, because I really didn't think I was going to get it. You know, so 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 much for prayer and expectation. You know, and um, and he said, "Oh, Anne, it's 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 Neil, and we'd like to offer you the job." Well, I was stunned into silence for about you know five seconds because I didn't expect that response. I said, "Thank you." You know, and I'm just, I'm just so grateful, guys. And, you know, at the end of that month, the end of the first month, end of March, I got my first paycheck. Pete's money came through from South Africa. I sold the house. So God just let all three things happen together at the end of my first month. But he let me work for that month. Okay. So I think that's enough testimony here. You know that I'm safe, I'm secure. I still haven't got a... So the house is totally sold, but I still haven't got a flat. It's busy going through, hopefully, um, by the 7th of July, you know. So it's all taking shape, yeah. And it's just amazing because God lets you go through these things so that he can build you up. You know, all the way through, I kept saying, Lord, I know who I am in Christ, you know. I know you're your beloved. I I had this, I had this, that knowledge. I'm a child of God, I am I'm a daughter of the King, you know. And and the enemy would try and I'd see him and I'd say, No, you know and I mean guys, I walk down to get coffee. This is terrible that I'm so desperate for coffee that I'm prepared to walk all the way down to Victoria Station to go and get it. And at the last bus stop there was a young man and and he tripped me up. Well he tried to, but I'm quite substantial, you know, so <laughs> and I just thought, Welcome to London, you know? So So I turned, I stopped, and I turned. And he said, oh, I'm I'm so sorry, madam. Having tripped me up, I'm so sorry, madam. See, he was talking, and I didn't know if he was talking on his phone or if he was talking to me. And he came back toward me, and I just put my hand up. I never said a word, guys, because that's the authority we have in Christ Jesus. I just simply put my hand up. You are not going to interfere with God's plan for me for this day which is to share with the beloved, you know? And I, I was just amazed. The enemy is so pathetic in his um, attempts. We, we were talking earlier. What are his two weapons, accusation and deception? Guys, be alert. Don't accept accusations. Don't be open to deception. Amen? You no, know, Make sure that you've got that real sort of hedge of the presence of the Lord, around you, that hedge of protection that comes because of the presence of the Lord within you and around about you. Amen. Amen. All right, so I want to talk about the mystery of God. So we need to start with, um, where are we going to start? Okay, I think what we'll do is we'll start um, with Hebrews chapter 3. It was a scripture that I read yesterday. I have fallen in love with the righteousness of of God. I have fallen in love with his righteousness, and um, actually, we're not going to start with Hebrews 3. We'll start a little bit further on. We'll start with um, Hebrews chapter 7. So, Hebrews 7 and verse 1. So, Hebrews 7, verse 1. Look at that. I talk to the screen, and it comes up. Oh, is Elizabeth, is it you? It's Elizabeth. <laughs> Okay, so, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 1. You know that I love the scripture, and you've seen it before when I've preached, okay? (laughs) So there's certain scriptures that are just like, they, they become part of your character. And that's a good thing. Amen. So, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, who met Abram as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Abram blessed Melchizedek, and then Melchizedek blessed him, to whom Abram apportioned a tenth part of oil, was oil. Sorry, I might have that round the wrong way. Was first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness and king of Salem, which is king of peace. So you see, there's a couple of things that have already happened this morning. King of Jerusalem, king of Salem. Jerusalem, okay, place of peace, okay, but the amazing thing is, you know, I've said this to you before, in the Hebrew, king is Melech, so when we see Melchizedek, it is king, and Zedek is righteousness, so king of righteousness, amen, this is the one whom we serve, king of righteousness, now, i just got to go back to, uh, uh, don't you worry about this. It's just where I've got this definition. When we look at righteousness, whether you look at the Hebrew word or the Greek word, it doesn't matter which word you look at, it means equity, so equal, just, to render innocent, lawful, holy. Those are powerful words. See? No guilt, in other words. Totally innocent. And so, king of righteousness, we'd expect that, wouldn't we? He is the king of everything that is holy, pure, good, equitable. Okay. And then, um, what we realize is that as sons and daughters of Christ, uh, sorry, as sons and daughters of the Father, through Christ, we are actually righteous. So you see, we're sort of thinking, okay, so how does this happen? You know, and um, what has God done? Now, remember, go back to the whole concept of um, theki covenants. Theki is that Greek word for equal covenants okay, between um, um, two normal partners here on the earth. So a marriage covenant is a theki covenant. The covenant that was between David and Jonathan was the one that we most know about in the Old Testament, that was a Thiki covenant. But when it comes to God relating to man, then God's up here, and man's down here because of that sinful nature that we've inherited from Adam. OK? Now, how can we relate to God when we're down here, and he's up there, see, at that level? And so what he did was he sent his son Jesus to die on our behalf, okay? And then Jesus, who has now taken our sin upon him and has shed his blood and has died, now Jesus, who God can relate to because he was tempted in all things but didn't sin in anything, okay? So he's a a diatheke equal partner with Father God. Now, because Jesus' blood Seals us, guys. I want you to think seals, and I'm painting my forehead, you know, sealed by the blood of Jesus, okay? We are now presented before the Father as that equal partner in Christ. See, we can never say anything except in Christ Jesus, through the blood, amen. Holy Spirit is always looking for us to acknowledge that it is through the blood of Jesus that we would be, Presented whole. Holy Spirit is always looking to see, are we honoring the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we honoring his sacrifice? Are we honoring what he has done for us? Because then the Holy Spirit is free to move and bring in the river of the glory of God. Amen. And so we are such a blessed people to know these things. Amen. So now I want to, um, so you're in Hebrew still, aren't you? So let's go to Hebrews 5 now. Hebrews 5. <laughs> You're teasing me. <laughs> so in Hebrews 5, what we find is this, that we have got, um, did I say five? I mean three. This is really confusing. I'm sorry, guys. Hebrews uh, 3, and it it starts out speaking about Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, but I want you to drop down because in verse 4, he starts talking about the house being built by someone, and the builder of all things is God. Moses was faithful um, in his house as a servant in in God's house, but Christ, 6, So the the major emphasis of what I'm looking at is Hebrews 3 and verse 6. Christ was faithful as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast our confession. So we are the house of God. Amen. Excellent. So now, I want us to see that in so many areas, we find the Trinity comes in. Okay, so now this is not, God told me La Touch, so I'm not going, I'm not going deep, guys, okay? This is a real La Touch sermon, okay? So um, I, I want you to come and just have a look, because we're going back through the epistles now. I want you to come to Colossians and chapter 2. And when we talk about God's mystery, see, because... Um, You know, there's that beautiful verse in Habakkuk 2, verses 2 to 4, where it talks about the hiding of God's power, see? So God loves to reveal stuff to us, but to a large degree, it's kind of, how hungry are we? You know? Because what I've noticed is, the more that we get kind of spoon-fed, the more we just reject. Regurgitate, You know what I mean? Because it's just like it doesn't mean anything. But when we're really hungry for something and we eat of spiritual food, then it becomes a part of us. It becomes rhema word so that everything we live and do comes out of that word. See? So, you know, like Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Oh, I just love that, guys. That's the king that we serve that's my king. You know, when I see him, just glory. I'm so grateful that Queen Elizabeth loves God. You know, I'm so grateful. And, and you know, David Hathaway, that amazing prayer warrior and, and evangelist, he organizes these days of prayer every now and then. And I try to go to every one of his. And, and, and he speaks of the fact that we have a small window of opportunity And I believe what he's referring to from what he said in the context of, it's while Queen Elizabeth is still on the throne. We have this opportunity for the gospel to go forth in the power, you know? And um, Adele Richards, who is um, one of the uh, two main leaders down at at Catch the Fire Bournemouth, she had a prophetic word two Sundays ago where she said she saw the train coming in to the Bournemouth platform, and she was talking for Dorset, okay? The, 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 the train was coming in. It was a busy train. It was a happy train, from what I remember. But she said it was not at the station for long, and then it moved on. And and you see, guys, that's another word, urgency. We have this window of opportunity for the gospel to go forth in power. Amen. Pardon me. So we, I've got you in Colossians, haven't I? So, Colossians 2, at the end of verse 2, he says that he is praying for them to have a full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery. And in this letter, Paul speaks of the mystery of God being Christ himself. I found that fascinating, guys. That Christ is the mystery, verse three, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, when we see Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal nuggets of truth about him, those are treasures that we take, and that increases who we are in Christ. You know how you see these guys? Now, I dare not even turn sideways at this point, okay? But you see these guys where their major aim in life is to have a flat six-pack. or well, I think you just say a six-pack. I don't know. I don't know if it's the ribs or the muscles. I'm not sure what we're talking about. But they're very thin and they're very smart. Do you know what I mean in terms of torso? Um, and, you know, I often think about that in terms of spiritual things. In fact, that's one of my prayers before the Lord God, would you give me a spiritual six-pack? I know I need the other as well, guys. But, you know, what I'm saying is (laughs) we need that spiritual call to be made so strong. Amen. And it's these revelations, it's these nuggets that the Lord gives us. So, you see, right at the top of my tree, I'm basically saying that the mystery of Christ is God's mystery. But then it begins to come through with greater um, understanding and revelation. So I want you to come to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I I remember finding this uh, again. My my main pastor in Durban had gone on a mission trip. And I was with the Bible College, and and, and we had to take the service. I had had to preach, and the Bible College were doing their number because we were trying to get more people into the Bible College, you know. So the students were doing gigs and, and all the rest of it, you know, and, and um, it, was, it was just absolutely brilliant. But then there was a point where I had to preach. And when I was actually um, preparing that to, that, for that day, God gave me this word about the mystery of Christ. And, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where when God reveals, just as I've said now, when God reveals something to you, you often go back and revisit it. Now, This, these opening five verses are so loved that they became the actual uh, basis of all the material that we used for marketing for the Bible College, because, you know, I mean, we had, um, the the best year that I had when I was there was we had 120 full-time students, you know, 100 in the the mornings and and 20 at night, and we had loads of of, uh, part-timers that used to come as well, you know. It was a huge sacrifice for those who had, uh, who went through Bible college. You know, um, that's how Pete and I went through Bible college. He, I taught, he went to um, the day school, the, the first year of the day school. Um, and then the second year, um, he was already, I think he was at, at that stage already um, moving into part of pastoring and part of the admin for the Bible college. And um, so i continue to teach during the day, but in the evening, I would go, and it would be two and a half hours, and you know, that's tough when you've got little ones and all the rest of it, but there is such a hunger in your heart that you make room, you make sure that you somehow are going to make it happen, you know, and, um, and then, of course, then I left teaching and, and got involved in the Bible College, and, and now, chapter two, when I came to you, brethren, this is Paul speaking, guys, to the Corinthian church. I didn't come with superiority of speech or wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony and the mystery of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the Spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of God. You know, last Saturday I was involved in a bit of a street outreach. Well, when I say street outreach, they hire a little um, place and they offer people spiritual readings. And and the the place where it is is right near the New Age shops. So the New age thing is already drawing people. So, you know, you've got to... And we say, would you like interpretation of dreams or spiritual readings? I'm not totally comfortable with spiritual readings, but, you know... We, we give them the word, you see, so, you know, from that. <laughs> anyway, I went for the first time on that Saturday. Now, I'm used to more raw kind of street evangelism, you know what I mean? So there wasn't a job for me to do with the first uh, three-quarters of an hour, and they said, okay, we'll go and find people to come. <laughs> this is more of my game, guys. <laughs> I'm not the greatest going outside and saying, would you like to come for a spiritual reading? Especially because I, I wasn't comfortable with the phrase, you know. And um, so I said, would you like a cup of coffee? And we can give you a spiritual review. <laughs> so we got three guys from a bachelor's party. And <laughs> and they loved it. You know, and God gave the word, girls words, you know. She said, I see, to the one guy, I think he was the bridegroom, prospective. I see her no, 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 he it was the other one. Um She said, I I, I can't understand why, but I see a carpenter's um, toolbox that you can carry. And she described it a bit, and he said, do you know what I do? So she said, no. He said, I'm a carpenter by trade. And so was my father. So you see, that's because we're trusting God for, you know, like that. So now I got a hold of this guy because his girlfriend was in, but he had come back outside again. And he had those kind of, Um, you know, um, frizzy, um, sorry? Yes, but they're not proper dreadlocks. They're not like Caribbean dreadlocks. You know, they're like where people have tried to do dreadlocks. So, so, you know what I mean, huh? (laughs) But he had the appropriate rings in his nose and ears and, you know, sort of, you know, he smelled like he needed a bit of a bath. No, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm now exaggerating it. But I did keep my distance a bit, you know, but I... I just I just said to him, Are you not going in? You know, just me mopping up the administration, you know. Are you are you not staying in or going in? And he said, No, my girlfriend's in. So I said, Don't you want to go in? Nah, he says, nah. So I just said, you know, this is my big phrase, where do you stand with God? And he said, um, I don't really believe. And I said, you know, you need the courage to ask God who he is. You need the, cause this is my standard street evangelism bit, guys, so it wasn't as if I had new understanding. You know, this is just the way I do it. But. So I just said, um, you need to have the courage to, you know, because when you challenge a man like that, if you challenge a woman like that, you get a different response. But a man, it's different, you know. You need to have the courage to ask God who he is. And if you really are hungry, God will show himself to you, you know? And, and I could see, I could just see from his eyes that he was intrigued, you know? And, and so, guys, I don't even know how I got down there. But God is God. Amen. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. All right. So I'm talking about the mystery of Christ, and we were, but this breeze is so beautiful, it doesn't matter that it's blowing the pages. So let's go back. So verse 6. Are you still in 1 Corinthians 2? Verse 6, Okay. Yet, says Paul, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood, for if they had understood it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And, of course, the rulers that he is speaking about most predominantly there is the Jewish leaders. But there was also Rome, you know. But it was the Jewish leaders who took Jesus to the Roman authorities and said, this man is a troublemaker, you know. And so, you know, it's, it's just amazing. Now, you can carry on reading that when you're at home. And you'll see that it ends up with our needing to know the mind of Christ. But now, guys, I want you to come across to Ephesians. <clears throat> and in Ephesians and chapter 2, it begins to speak about um, verse 11. Remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision... Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Now, I know that Rod has taught you extensively on that, so I'm, I'm just simply showing you that it speaks of the commonwealth of Israel and that the Gentiles have been brought near. And then if you look at chapter 3, verse 3, by revelation there was known to me the mystery, as I wrote before in brief, and by referring to this, um, so that you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, And that included the prophets, guys. It wasn't made known until Christ came, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. So Holy Spirit is showing us this to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So now here's the incredible thing. We know that we saw, and and this is almost like a parallel of everything else that we see in Scripture. We saw that Christ is the mystery of God. Who's God? Father in that instance. So there's Father, and his delight is to reveal Jesus Christ as the mystery that is going to transform our lives. And we just looked at all that, okay? And then what it says is, and here's the mystery which has been kept back until Christ came and fulfilled everything and, and, and went to be with, with, with Father, you know? And what he's done through his blood is he has won both groups back to him. You see, I want, I want, I'll want close my Bible. There's actually two more scriptures, but they're just single scriptures, so you can relax. Matthew 16 is that bit where Jesus says, who do men say I am? Okay. And verse 16, Peter says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living father. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, Jonah, because flesh and blood haven't revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And we see playing out that father-son relationship. We see it with the eyes that the Holy Spirit has given to us, guys. The disciples saw it with physical eyes as well as spiritual, okay, because Jesus was in their midst, okay. But the Holy Spirit is so faithful, he makes sure that we see it in the spirit realm, okay. And so there's Father, and, and, and you know, Father in heaven's great delight is that his son should come and win us back so that we can be those equal partners in Christ through the blood of Jesus and be in relationship. The whole thing is that relationship that we have with our precious father. You and know when he loves us. And so Jesus then goes on, and, and this is so powerful. Verse 18, I say to you, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now, guys, all I'm going for there, because we could spend a whole sermon on that, but all I'm going for there is that Jesus said, I will use this revelation to build my church, and that church is the ecclesia, you see? Now, this is where we Gentiles have got to be so careful, because we just read in 1 Corinthians 2 and in Ephesians chapters 2 and 3 that it speaks of... um, the fact that we are both being drawn into one. You know, um, what are we looking at? We're saying it's the Jews and the Gentiles that together are the church, okay? And there's a lot of vagueness around that because a lot of people say that the Jews um, need to, like, subject themselves to the church. A lot of them can't do that. Because they see the Gentiles as having hobnailed boots on who march all over stuff and, and destroy stuff. And actually, we don't, guys. We are so fervent and we are so zealous for the word of God and zealous for the um, fulfillment of all that Christ may come as the bridegroom and come and be joined to his bride, his precious bride. You know, that the, 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 the we are sometimes a little bit like, um, it's almost like, Um, the posh and the the working class kind of thing. You know, that's what we Gentiles are like. Crash, 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 crash. Oh, you mean that scripture? Oh, (laughs) you know, last year, God blessed me so because I was able to go and listen to a most beautiful um, Messianic Jew share about the feasts. I was so blessed. I was just so, so blessed. But guys, they are very suspicious of the church. They think that we are um, lacking in finesse in terms of the scriptures. You See, it's, it's not that, you know, me saying working class, that was a, maybe a wrong image. But in terms of um, an understanding of the oracles that they hold from the old covenant, They feel that there is, you know, just like a a kind of a crassness about the Gentiles, you see. So for them to be called the church, see, and you know, God just gave this to me a few weeks ago as I began to prepare. And I just thought, God, we're not going to see your return until there is an understanding. The Gentiles don't equal the church. The Gentiles have been baptized into the church, but so is every Jew who confesses Christ as Messiah. See? So when we talk about Jesus saying, you know, Matthew 16, 16, upon this rock of revelation, what was the rock of revelation? That Jesus is Messiah. And see, we're going back up to my top level, you know. Well, top, top level is God. Father's got plan, okay? So why why am I sharing all this with you? Because we need a strategy to take London in this country. Amen? And guys, I believe that we can't apologize for who we are. You know, I'm a Gentile. I I don't care how raw people see me in my faith. I am a Gentile. I have fallen in love with Jesus. He has shown me who the Father is. I've fallen in love with him. I've fallen in love with the embodied that's the wrong word, the indwelling. That's better. In dwelling Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit who lives within me, as you love the Holy Spirit who lives in you. you know, we love each of those individual members, but God's they won. The fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells in you. The body of the Holy Spirit living within you. Oh Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Amen. So strategy wise, we take that and we run with it. Amen. So I know that it is six minutes past one. I don't know how we got there so quickly. So I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to say who would like. (laughs) I'm just going to say we're all going to do it. (laughs) Come on, let's stand to our feet. And Father, because guys, next week there's time for ministry, okay? But we stand to our feet now, Lord, because we want to honor you. Father God, we want to honour you, our incredible Father. We thank you, Lord, that, and I know some people call Father God Daddy. Um, I can't do that because of, of of my upbringing, because of where I'm from. Doesn't make it any more less personable than those who are able to say Daddy, okay? But he's our father, guys. You know, I just want you, as a a sort of a prophetic act, won't you just, as if you're going to hug somebody, won't you just hug the father? Oh, thank you, Father. There is that beautiful scripture in John 13, which speaks of how at the Last Supper, John was leaning against the chest of Jesus. And a this young pastor, um, shared with us a few weeks ago, she said, if you are looking for direction in God, and there could be people right here who are looking for direction in God. And, and what she said was, It's not that God is withholding that direction from you. God is not hard-hearted, guys. God is for us. But he wants you to lean into him. And she used that scripture from John, and and it's a very precious scripture. Because I knew that at that time, I needed to lean into God some more. And so we lean into him. He's our Heavenly Father. His heart is for His children, for His sons and His daughters. Amen. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday.